You're listening to the Informal Bible Study, a casual and applicational look at the Scriptures. I'm John Stonge, and it's great to have you with us today. In just a few moments, we're going to be taking a look at Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 to 11, and I'm going to be sharing with you uh, why I'm thankful for my church family. But before I do that, I have a few other things I just wanted to pass along. If you haven't noticed already, we recently updated our website. It's completely redesigned, and our new website is desirejesus.com. We have a, a new blog that we've put up there, and we're continually adding new content. So if you haven't had an opportunity to visit the website, be sure to take a look at it. I have another reason for you to visit, though, if you haven't gone yet, and that's this. You go to the website and download a free copy of my latest devotional, Desire Jesus, Volume 4, and it's available for free download right now at desirejesus.com. So we hope that you'll take advantage of that, download a free copy while it's available up there. It'll be up there for just a little bit longer, and then it'll be replaced with something new. But before we have to take it down, we hope that you'll be able to grab a free copy for yourself. Now, this past week, I had the opportunity to spend the week at a conference that I'm required to attend each year in order to maintain my pastoral credentials. And at this conference, I was surrounded by hundreds of pastors and church leaders from throughout the world, people that served in all different capacities. And we had the opportunity to hang out together. We had the opportunity to speak and share meals and do all sorts of things and and learn from each other's experiences and hear about what each of us had going on in our lives. And while the conference was enjoyable, I was looking forward to coming home to my family, and in addition to my wife and my kids, I found myself looking forward to coming home and spending time with my church family. I truly appreciate them, and I'm grateful for the privilege to serve as their pastor. I'm grateful for the fact that, by God's grace, we know each other and we serve together. And you see that kind of mindset, you see that kind of attitude in the Apostle Paul when we take a look at Philippians chapter 1 and start with verse 3. We're going to be looking at that in just a second, but again, in this portion of Scripture, we see a lot of thankfulness on Paul's part for the Philippians. So if you would take your Bibles, open up to Philippians 1, we'll be beginning with verse 3, and this is what it says. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the privilege of being able to spend some time together today looking at this portion of Scripture. 
And Lord, we pray that by your grace that we would grow in our walk with you as we meditate on the content of your word. And Lord, we pray that as we look at what the Apostle Paul expressed to the church at Philippi, we pray, Lord, that we would also just sense and and express a deep love and a deep appreciation for our local church. Lord, we know that these are the people that you have uh, given us the privilege to connect with on a daily and weekly basis. These are people that we share life with regularly. These are people that have the opportunity to make investments in us, and likewise, we have the opportunity to make investments in them. And so, Lord, we pray that by your grace that you would help us to love one another with Christian love in a manner that's like what is described in this portion of Scripture. So thank you, Lord, for giving us access to your word, and we pray that you'd speak to us now through it. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Now we're reading here in the book of Philippians today, and as we take a look at this portion of Scripture, we see that these are essentially the some of the opening verses in this letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Philippi, and I want to give you a tiny bit of background on this book before we dig into some of the content that we just read. Uh, the church at Philippi was the first church that the Apostle Paul planted in Europe. And they had a reputation for being very active in supporting his ministry. And you could see throughout this book that they brought him great joy as they lived out their faith in Christ and as they showed love to him. And during the time when Paul planted the church at Philippi, he didn't necessarily have a very easy time. We read in Scripture that he was imprisoned after he cast out a demon that was in a young girl. That girl was practicing fortune-telling. That demon gave her the ability to do that. But through the Apostle Paul, the demon that was in that young girl was cast out. And that upset people, and as a result, Paul was imprisoned. But the Lord caused Paul to be miraculously released. And as Paul continued to plant churches and spread the gospel in various places throughout the known world at the time, he was in prison multiple times. In fact, he wrote this letter to the Philippians from prison, most likely in Rome. One of Paul's motivations in writing this letter was to encourage this church in their faith. They had been such an encouragement to him, and he wanted to encourage them as well. And as I was thinking about my church family this week, it occurred to me that the sentiments that you have the Apostle Paul expressing here in these pages are sentiments that I feel in my heart for our church family as well. And since we just finished a longer series looking through the book of 2 Corinthians, I wanted to just take the liberty to share from this passage today as kind of an, an isolated look at one particular passage to simply express why I'm thankful for my local church family. And you have the Apostle Paul listing reasons why we should be thankful for our family in Christ. And one of the reasons that he lists here is this, that we partner together in living out and advancing the gospel. Look again at what he says in verse 3 down to verse 6. He says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always, in every prayer of mine, for you all, making my prayer with joy, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. There are two ways to approach most circumstances, or, or two perspectives that we can easily adopt in basically any context of life. One option is to complain and to look at most things from the downside. 
The other option is to acknowledge what we're thankful for, regardless of our momentary circumstances. And when you look at the Apostle Paul's words in this passage, the way that this letter begins is evidence to me of the presence of the Holy Spirit in the Apostle Paul's life. He opens this letter by expressing thanks. Now, please keep in mind where Paul was writing this letter from. He was in prison, most likely in Rome. He, he didn't have the privileges a man has when he's free. He couldn't just take a, a stroll down the block. He wasn't free to go visit friends or walk to the market or do something like sitting on the shore appreciating the beautiful view. He was a prisoner who had become familiar with the uncomfortable feeling of wearing chains, being stared at by guards, and being locked in a room. And yet in all of this, Paul was thankful. What brought his heart thanks in the midst of his unpleasant circumstances? Well, for starters, Paul was thankful for the times when the Lord would bring the Philippian church to his mind. And as Paul would let his mind think about their faces and their words and the time they spent together, his heart was warmed and his imprisonment felt like like a consequence he could live with, knowing that it was because he dared to make the gospel known that he was placed in jail. Paul considered the Philippians to be more than just the fruit of his ministry, but also partners with him in ministry. They joyfully supported his work. They partnered with him in his passion to tell people about Jesus. And Paul states that he was convinced that the Lord, who began a good work in them, would continue working in them, strengthening them, uh, developing their faith, developing their spiritual maturity, up until the day Jesus returns. I can identify with the emotions Paul expresses in this passage, and there have been quite a few things lately that have brought similar emotions to my mind, particularly when he speaks of his joy in having a church family that partnered with him in the spread of the gospel. Just this week, I was having a conversation with a man who serves as a pastor in a a church context that's had a a long-term problem with not partnering with their pastor in the work of the local church. And he confessed to me that he felt very tired because he doesn't have enough help. I felt genuinely bad for him, but his words also reminded me to be grateful for my church family because so many of them partner together to teach and serve and model the message of the gospel to others. There's literally, it feels like an army of people who help with the many aspects of things like our Sunday morning gathering. There's people who help with administrative tasks during the week from home. There's people who help in very covert ways during the the week, even just around our church building. Sometimes people will show up and start working on something without even announcing that they're there, and they'll get it done, and they'll disappear, and you'll see it done, and you won't even know who did it. There's people who help with discipleship, people who help with children's ministries and missions and administrative and accounting tasks, mercy-related needs, and, and so much more. And as their pastor, I hope my church knows that I'm truly grateful for their partnership in living out and advancing the gospel through the ministry of our local church. And that's a sentiment that we can see that the Apostle Paul also felt in, and also expressed toward the Philippians 
in this particular passage. And something else that he illustrates and brings out as as a reason to be thankful for the local church is found in verses 7 and 8, where he, he basically says, we are willing to stand together in all circumstances. That's what a church family truly does. Look at what he says in verse 7. He says, it is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. I love how he says that all. Have you ever done something to embarrass yourself? I've done more to embarrass myself over the course of the past 40 years than than I would honestly like to admit. But uh, I'll never forget the time when I was 12 years old and my mother dropped me and a friend off at the mall so that we could hang out there. And before I left the house, I had filled my pockets with a whole bunch of change that I had had in my room. I didn't, I didn't have, I guess, a, a lot of paper bills at the time. And I thought, well, I just, I, I better bring some money if I'm going to the mall. Filled my pockets with a whole bunch of change. And while walking around the mall without parental supervision, of course, I suggested to my friend that it might be hilarious if I pretended to trip over a bench and made that change spill all over. I don't know why I thought that was going to be a funny idea, but at the time, age 12, seemed like it would be hilarious. He thought it would be super funny as well, and so I did it. I walked up to a bench that was going through the the center of the mall, pretended to trip over it, fell to the ground, and change went everywhere. And at first I thought, oh, this is hilarious. And when I stood up, Dozens of people were staring at me. <laughs> I felt instantly embarrassed. I remember just if uh, I felt completely humiliated, particularly when I realized that my friend disappeared. <laughs> and uh, I was left in the center of the mall feeling like the dumbest jokester on earth. Now, have you ever done something so embarrassing that you feared that it might result in your friends and family actually abandoning you? Again, when you look at this portion of Scripture, where was Paul when he wrote these words? Where was he when he wrote this letter? He was in prison. And in many cases, that would be something that might cause others to feel shame or embarrassment to associate with someone. But the Philippian church continued to stand with the Apostle Paul. They stood with him in all circumstances. When he was in prison for daring to tell others about Christ, they stood with him. When he was openly defending and confirming the truth of the gospel, they stood with him. We've all experienced fair-weather friends in this world, but the Philippian church stuck with Paul in all circumstances. And this contributed to the great affection Paul had for this church. He loved them with the love of Christ. He held them close to his heart. Their support was one of the things the Lord used to help Paul weather the unpleasant consequences of preaching the gospel in hostile places. And just as Paul had taught the Philippian church who Jesus was and why they needed to surrender their lives over to Christ, so too did the Philippian church remind Paul of an important aspect of the gospel that we would all do well to preach to our hearts regularly. They didn't abandon Paul because they understood that in Christ, we are not abandoned. Look at how our Lord expresses his own heart toward his children in the book of Isaiah. 
In Isaiah chapter 49, verses 15 and 16, it says this, Can a woman forget her nursing child, that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. It's a beautiful portion of Scripture. And likewise, consider just for a moment the depth of God's great love for us that we see expressed in Romans chapter 8. When you look at verses 35 and then jump to verses 38 and 39 of Romans 8, it says this, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's what God's Word tells us. There are times in your life when you're going to be tempted to preach a different message than this to your heart. You're going to go through a few things when you might become momentarily convinced that you're on your own, that you're abandoned, and that you have been left to fend for yourself. But none of that is true. I can't promise you that your friends and your family won't ever let you down, but I can promise what God's Word promises. Our Lord will never abandon you. He will never bail on His children. No circumstance will ever separate those who trust in Christ from the love of Christ. And the Philippian church made it easier for Paul to preach this message to his own heart because of the way they modeled this to him. And I can say without a doubt that there are many people in my church family who, through the years, have helped me preach this message to my heart as well because they were faithful to model this application of the gospel to their pastor. Well, there's one other thing that the Apostle Paul points out in the section of Scripture that we're looking at today that gives us a really good reason to to be grateful for our church family, and that's this. We are a family in which Spirit-empowered love abounds. Again, look at what he says in verse 9 down to verse 11. He says, And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Do you believe Jesus makes a difference in our lives? What happens within us when we come to know him by faith? What kind of fruit comes from our lives as, as our relationship with him deepens? What's the evidence of his presence with us when we interact as a church family? Paul explains in this passage that Christ makes a real difference in our lives and that through faith in Jesus, we become a family in which spirit-empowered love abounds. So Paul prays for the Philippians that their love may abound more and more that it would be displayed in greater depth, that opportunities would be seized for brothers and sisters in Christ to, to go out of their way to reach into the lives of those they were in fellowship with and bless their Christian family by seeking the best for and sacrificially serving one another. Paul prays that through Christ, 
they would possess knowledge and discernment that would result in a mature understanding of what was right and good. That they would live out their faith, that holiness, purity, and righteousness would be powerfully displayed in their lives as the fruit of Christ's presence with them. That their lives would bring glory to God. This is the kind of family that the Lord has created us to be. This is something that he is continually fostering within us and teaching us to value. These are the kind of ideals that he's inviting us to pursue. And I can personally testify that as the Lord fosters this kind of family love within our local church fellowship, that there are many people that I know that I have come to feel just as close to as I do to my own blood relatives. And I guess that's a good thing, because as I read the scriptures, we're going to be spending a long time together, so we might as well get used to loving one another now. Well, what kind of difference does this kind of love make in a person's life? Consider this. I read this just earlier this week. Some years ago, I'm not exactly certain how many, but a man named Dr. Carl Menninger, he was a noted doctor and psychologist, And he was seeking the cause of many of the things that were impacting his patient's health. And one day he called in his clinical staff and he proceeded to unfold a plan for developing in his clinic an atmosphere of creative love. And what that meant was this. All patients were to be given large quantities of love and no unloving attitudes were to be displayed in the presence of his patients. All the nurses, all the doctors, everybody that worked there, they were to go about their work in and out of the various rooms with a loving attitude. They were to be intentionally loving toward all the patients. And here's what happened. At the end of six months, the time spent by patients in the institution was cut in half. I thought that was fascinating when I read it. I used to get together with a uh, group of retired pastors when I was living in a different area. So it was about, I guess, about 10 years ago. We used to get together for breakfast once a month. And again, most of the guys were retired. I guess a few of the guys were in active ministry, but most were retired pastors. And uh, one of the men, his name was Jim Johnson, and he served for a long time uh, at a church in Dixon City, Pennsylvania. And just recently, someone told me something that Jim Johnson once said, and they happened to hear this, and I thought it was fascinating. But somebody had said to Jim, Jim, and they were talking to him, by the way, about his church. Jim had served for a long time, several decades at that church, and someone said to him, I guess a little bit confrontationally, but they said, Jim, you just think that these people are perfect, don't you? And Jim replied, he said, no, I don't think they're perfect. I just love them. And I thought that was great when I heard that. I thought that was fascinating. And I don't think I say it enough, but I definitely think it. And so that's something I want to express right now. I love my local church family. I love them. I am grateful for them. They are a blessing to me. I'm grateful for my home church. One of the the things that you kind of miss when you become a pastor is you have to say goodbye to the church that you grew up with. You don't get to fellowship with them quite as regularly. And that's certainly something I understand, but I have to say I am so grateful for my church family from my home church. I'm so grateful for my church family from the church that I have the privilege to serve now. And in reading the things that the Apostle Paul expresses in Philippians 1, 
The longer I've been a pastor and the longer I've had the privilege to serve alongside God's people in pastoral ministry, I get why Paul was so thankful for the Philippian church. And he reminds me and all of us to be thankful for our church family. We partner together in living out and advancing the gospel. We're willing to stand together in all circumstances. And we're a family in which spirit-empowered love abounds. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word, and thank you for the privilege of being able to look at it together today. Thank you as well, Lord, for the fact that you bless us with the privilege to fellowship together with a church family. Lord, we know that we as believers can't grow on our own. You have not designed us to be people who live in solitude, people who don't interact with one another, people who fail to share life with others. Lord, that's not your will for us. You want us to be interacting with one another. You want us to be living our lives in close proximity to one another because we grow and we learn more about you and we have the privilege to make intentional investments in each other's lives as a result. And spirit-empowered love abounds in the context of your church. So, Lord, thank you for the reminders of that from the portion of Scripture that we've just looked at together today. And, Lord, we pray that throughout the course of this week that you'd remind us of all the things that we have to be thankful for through faith in your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, you've united us together as one. We are family with one another because of what has been accomplished for us through your Son, Jesus. We're grateful for these things, Lord. Remind us of these truths today and help us to walk with you faithfully in all contexts of life. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you again for listening to this episode of the Informal Bible Study. As I mentioned at the start of the episode, we'd love to invite you to come over to DesireJesus.com, which is our new website, and uh, I'd really be interested in particular in hearing some interaction from you on some of the blog posts. We have a comment section at the base of each of the blog posts as they go up, and I'd love to hear some of your insights and some of your feedback and maybe some of the ways that the Lord's speaking to you through His words. So definitely interact with us there. We'll be happy to get to know you a little bit better as well as a result. But that's it for us today. Thanks again for listening. We hope you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week, and we look forward to getting together again with you next Monday right here. Thanks again. Everyone wants to change the world. Capital Ministries is doing just that, one heart at a time by creating disciples of Jesus Christ among political leaders in the U.S. and foreign nations. For more than 25 years, founder Ralph Drawlinger has written Bible studies specifically for public servants. Study along with us and learn what the Bible says about capitalism, communism, abortion, same-sex marriage, and other contemporary issues. Subscribe and follow us at lifeaudio.com or search Capital Ministries on your favorite podcast platform.